0: Well, I want to welcome you back. And it's exciting to be here. We are in a series right now called Hashtag, and it's a series on social media. And some of you may not uh, understand why we're doing a series on social media. And it's very, very simple. It's because social media is literally changing the way our our lives work. Uh, It's it's changing the way we get jobs. It's changing the way we communicate. It's changing the way students go to college. It's transforming our world. And I know some of you uh, do not use social media. You don't have a Facebook page or Instagram or anything like that, Twitter or Snapchat. Um, But it's so important for you to understand social media because someone in your life loves social media. <laughs> and you're aware of it. And, uh, and those of you who have little ones, anybody have any little critters running around your house like we do? They will grow up one day and they will love social media. So if you're a parent or a grandparent, you, you, even if you don't like it, you must understand it. You must understand the dangers and the pitfalls and what, how it works and all that stuff. If you want to be a great parent or grandparent, and, and we'll talk more about that next week. But, uh, so please don't tune me out if you are not a social media user. But uh, it's it's literally transforming our lives. And there's a lot of positives that have come from social media. You can, you know, catch up with people, friends from the past, you can get your news, you can, you know, follow people that you admire or whatever, you can get behind causes that you believe in, and, and, and you can share your opinions and all that stuff. And But there are also some pitfalls, and we talked about a couple of those. In week one, we talked about how your relationships can, can really be damaged if you don't leverage social media in the right way. And so we talked about protecting your relationships. And then last week, we talked about the danger of falling into a trap of just always being negative and 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 just saying you know hurtful things or mean things and so i gave you four guidelines last week if you were here to try to leverage social media as something positive in your life do you remember what they were what's in my heart right four questions what's in my heart is this encouraging before i post this before i tweet this is this encouraging is it gentle and the last one you remember what it was Would Jesus say it this way? So hopefully that was helpful. How many of you found that helpful last week while you were posting? Okay, about 10% of you. That's awesome. Uh, Man, I'm looking forward to the day where everybody's hand just goes up like, that was awesome! I dream about that stuff. Anyway. So what do I I want to talk about today? I want to talk about social media and identity. Social media and identity. And some of this is going to be helpful for you. Even if you do not use social media, you're really going to get something out of this as well. So uh, social media and identity. If you're a note taker, you have a bulletin or, or handout there, the first thing I want to share with you is that every single human being has both a question and a desire in their hearts. Every single one of us has a question and a desire. And the question is this, who am I? and the desire is, I want to be significant. Who am I? And I want to be significant. We're all looking for a sense of identity. This is why middle school was so difficult. Do you remember middle school? Some of you are in middle school right now. Yeah, Yeah, I've got some middle school litters today. I think they're human. Yeah, I love you guys. That's right. it's so it's difficult, and 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 they'll tell you this because we have a middle school student too now, and and. Uh it's, it's a tough time because you're searching for, like, well, like who am I? am I? Am I the athletic kid? Am I the smart kid? Am I the nerd? Am I the, you know, am I the band kid? Am I the, the, the track kid? Am I the, the chess kid, the chess club? Like, well, who, what's my identity? Am I a jock? Am I a preppy? Am I a rocker? You know, like, and, and you look for this, you look for this identity because, you know, we want to have a, an answer to the question of who am I. And we want the answer to be something significant. Like, nobody, no, nobody wants it to be, well, you know, just, you're just average. You're just, you're not, you know, you're not very significant at all. No, we want it to be, you're awesome, you're great, you know, and so we, we, look for, we look for this, you know, this question, who am I, and we want it to be something significant, and we're willing to do almost anything to become significant and find an answer to our question. Like, isn't And it, then it explain most of your stupid decisions in high school, and <laughs> I mean, seriously, do you look, can you remember and look back in middle school at the, some of the stupid things you did to try to get some affirmation and try to get an answer to your question? Things you drank, things you did, people you dated, right? To try to, to, try to get an answer to this question and, and, and a fulfillment of this desire. We're willing to do almost anything to find out an answer and to find the satisfaction of our desire. What's interesting, that I, something I've noticed about myself and most people is that the easiest way to get an answer to the question is to look to people is to look to other people. Because people will give you an answer. They'll, just, they'll offer up some suggestions, suggestions. They'll treat you certain ways based on things, decisions that you make. I remember being in middle school and, and I noticed that I could get a reaction from people by, by doing things that nobody else would do. Anybody else like this? So I became the class clown. I became the kid who did bad things that would steal stuff or do mean things to people because I would get a shock effect from all my other classmates. And they'd go, oh, can you believe Danny said that? And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm the kid that will do the thing that nobody else will do. That's my identity. And so I, I developed that identity, and I, that, that gave me a sense of value and a sense of significance because I, when I would go home, I had two older brothers. You see? Anybody have two older brothers? And when I when I would go home they would basically pound me into the ground. And they would call me names. And so in my house I would end up and I still have to work through some of this. I probably need a counselor, but in my house I was on the low. I was on the low end of things, see? I had no value. I would, I would get pushed around. You know, I'd have, and then I'd whine to my mommy, and then my brothers would say, you're a little whiny baby, you know, which would make it worse. And they would come up with these strange nicknames for me, and I would feel stupid all the time. But in school, oh, I was the bad kid, right? So trying to find a, some sense of value in my life, right? That's what we do. We turn. And so what ends up happening is we turn to people. Now, where are people today like no other? Right here. See, it used to be limited to your class or the kids in your your neighborhood, but now you can get on here and and you could just talk to people all day long and kind of create this this audience. we didn't have that when I was in middle school. You didn't have that when you were in middle school or high school, and so we can turn to people. And so what ends up happening is that, and I know not all of us do this, let me me say that, not all of us do this, but what, what a lot of, especially younger people, what they're doing is they're looking to social media as a, as, a, as a method to answer the needs of the soul. What are the needs of the soul? Who am I? And I want to be significant. And so we get on here, and because our souls are twisted and broken, how many of you are willing to admit that you're kind of messed up <laughs> if you can't raise your hand I'll raise two for you, for me because <laughs> I, know, I know I'm messed up big time, like my, my, my soul is like a car that's out of alignment, you ever have a car that's out of alignment, it just, you let go of the wheel you go this way, that's my soul like I need about a couple of hours to go the wrong direction in my life <laughs> And because our souls are broken and twisted, what we'll do is, is we'll, we'll, we'll get on social media and we'll start to create like an, alter, an alternative uh, self or a false self or a second identity that's really cool, that's really bad or really out there or really, you know, edgy or whatever. And, and we'll, we'll take pictures of ourselves, and we'll, we'll edit them. You know, sometimes, sometimes uh, I've, I've heard of I've heard of uh, uh, high school students and middle school students taking up to a hundred selfies to get the right one before they post it—the right angle, the right look. <laughs> and, and this isn't a middle school thing, too. I was looking at a girl the other day; she's like in her 20s, like late 20s, <laughs> and all of her photos were just. What's that all about? <laughs> duck. The, 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 what's the duck face about? What's that come from? Zoolander. Where'd that come from? It's fascinating. It's like, who really looks like that in real life? It's. It's not real, right? You know, and the filters and all that stuff. And you just. Get, you have this. 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 This fake. This fake self. I remember watching uh, Anderson Cooper. Uh, he did a special on on the, being 13. That's the name of it in one particular episode, uh, they they talked about 13-year-olds and social media and how these two things are colliding and the problems with it. And uh, he had six or seven middle school students on there who were 13 years old. And one of the particular kids were saying some incredibly um, over-the-top things on Twitter uh, about his life and how he had guns and and women, but he didn't use the word women, he used a different word I can't say in church. and he used, these, used foul language and, and, and every cuss word you could think of. And, and so Anderson Cooper, just right there, he just showed, showed, showed the kids tweets. It's like, you said this. Like, and you're sitting here, and you're well-dressed, and your parents are sitting right here, and this statement doesn't match who, what I see. Like, there's, and, 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 and so Anderson just asked him, like, what's up with that? And you know what the kid said? He said, well, you know, if you're going to get people to follow you, if you're going to get people to like your stuff, if you're going to get people to retweet it or requote it or comment, you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta say some stuff that gets attention. And there it was, the self, trying to get an answer to the question and a satisfaction of the desire. This isn't a middle school thing. I'm not picking on middle school students. I love you guys. <laughs> this is a human being thing. Does that make sense? Uh, there's a great passage in First Kings about a guy named Jeroboam who took over the kingdom of Israel for a guy named Rehoboam who took over Israel for a guy named Solomon who was King David's son. So we're like four kings removed from King David. And one day Jeroboam's son son became sick. And the problem with Jeroboam and his wife is they had forsaken the God of Israel, Yahweh. They said, we will not worship him, we will worship idols. But they still kind of had faith in God, the God of Israel. So when their son got sick, they, uh, Jeroboam said to his wife, disguise yourself, dress up, pretend to be somebody else, and go see the prophet Ahijah, and Ahijah was still a prophet of Yahweh, Jehovah. And uh, go find out if our son is going to make it or not. And so he, but he tells him, don't let anybody know who you are because that would, you know, that would be, you know, double message. You know, we don't worship Yahweh anymore. We worship idols. Listen, listen to the story. Watch this. In First Kings, it says, but the Lord told Ahijah. Now, Ahijah was the prophet, the man of God. What's interesting, what's ironic about this is Ahijah was blind. I think that's funny because um, he couldn't see her anyway. But anyway, so, he told, so the Lord told Ahijah, Jeroboam's wife is coming to you. When she arrives, she's going to pretend to be somebody else. And isn't, isn't that what we do? <laughs> isn't that what we're talking about today? We're pretending to be someone that we're not. And so watch what happens in verse 6. It says, in verse. Uh, yeah, so when Ahijah heard her footsteps at the door, he called out to her. He said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why are you pretending to be somebody else? And I think that God would want to say to you and me today, what's up with the pretending? What's up with all the filters and the doctoring and what's up with the hundred duck faces and perfect pictures? Like, what's up with that? Why are you trying to be somebody that you're not? Why, why all the pretense? Why all the pretending? Why not just, why not just be yourself? Back in the 1930s and 40s, there was a pastor named A. W. Tozer who's written some incredible books. My favorite being *The Pursuit of God*. Listen to what he said. This isn't in the book, but this is a great. I think this is so prophetic. 1930s, 40s is when he wrote this. There is hardly a man or a woman who dares to be just what he or she is without, without what? Doctoring up the impression. John Ortberg is another pastor still alive today. He calls this impression management that I'm going to manage the impression that I give to you so that you can think very well of me, so that you can talk back to me and tell me that I am somebody significant and I am somebody special. You see what we're doing there? We're playing this game. Do you agree with me, yes or no? This really doesn't have anything to do with social media. Social media is just exposing the, 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 the problem of the soul. You with me? And the end result is devastating. If you're a note taker, watch this. The end result, we end up living a double life. We have this false identity on social media <laughs> that we've created. We're managing this impression with f- posting only the best pictures, only putting our best foot forward, right? Only when we have the right face on, and it it's doesn't align with what's really going on on the inside. And, and, this, and this causes all kinds of problems in our lives. Like, it, it could actually get to the point where you do so much faking, so much impression management, that you really didn't even know what's true anymore about yourself. What's up, what's down? Who am I really? Am I this person online or am, am I this person over here? You know, it's, it's, it's craziness. See, when you, when you and I give other people the job of telling us who we are and are we significant, you, you run into all kinds of trouble, all kinds of problems. Because guess what? People will give you an answer. And what if they tell you that you are nobody? You are not significant. What happens? You plunge down into depression. Some of you had parents like this. You were looking to them to answer your question uh, and your desire for significance. And the answer that you got from your mom and dad was, You're nobody. You're not significant. And so even today in your 30s and 40s, you struggle to live your life because depression plagues you. Because you got an answer to your question from your parents or maybe a coach or a teacher or a friend or somebody else. And you know what they said? You are nobody. It's powerful, we cannot cannot give, when we give people the power to to answer our question and to fulfill our desire, we're we're in loads and loads of trouble. I believe that's why Soren Kierkegaard said this, the deepest form of despair is to choose to be other than yourself. If we create a false identity, it, it creates all kinds of problems in our life. I love the story of King David for many reasons. One of the reasons I love it is because he refused to be other than himself. If you know the story, King David steps up and says, I'll fight Goliath, the giant, the nine-foot giant. Remember this story? If he went to uh, Sunday school years ago? And, and Saul, at first, he's like, no, you can't, you're, you're, you're a teenager, you'll never win. But eventually he gave in, and, and Saul said, okay, if you're gonna fight this guy, you gotta, you gotta put on my armor. Listen, listen to what happens in 1 Samuel. Saul said to David, take my, army, a, a bron- my armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail, which is, a, which is basically uh, you know, body, body armor. Watch what happens. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like or what would happen, for he had never worn anything like this before. Watch this. I love this. This is what we have to do. Watch this. He says to uh, Saul, "I can't. I can't go in these." He protested, "I'm not used to them." So David, watch this. Took them off again. (laughs) He took them off. He said, "It's not me." It's like it's like saying, you know what? I'm going to quit the filters. I'm, I'm going to quit trying to to put something on. To try, to, to, I'm going to quit trying to be someone that I'm not. This 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 armor, this sword, this 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 coat of mail. It's just it's not for me. I can't do it. It doesn't work for me. I love what Ralph Waldo Emerson said. Listen to these words. There's a time in every man's education that he arrives at the conviction that imitation is suicide. And that's what David realized. He realized I cannot go out the way Saul would go out or any other warrior would go out because I'm not the kind of guy that wears helmets and takes a sword and has a coat of mail. That's not who I am. That's not the way I roll. That's not how I fight my battles, see? David had to go out as he was. Listen to what he says. Emerson says there he must take himself for better or for worse. And you know what David was familiar with? David was familiar with a sling. <laughs> that's how he fought. He was a marksman. And so the Bible says that he grabbed five stones and he took one of those stones and he put it in there and he got it going like this. And he slung that stone and the stone went into David's head. Listen to verse 40, watch this. Look at verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd bag and watch this. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Actually, it says later on that he ran towards him. He slung it, it hit the Philistine, Goliath in the head. Bible says it sunk in, fell down to the ground. David took out his sword, went up to the body, took, took his head and cut his head off. Took the head up, held it up, started to drink the blood just like this. No, he didn't do that part. He didn't do that. <laughs> but can you imagine if he had done that? You know, take the blood, wipe it under his eyes and his head. Like Braveheart. But he did cut his head off. He did cut his head off. <laughs> my, my point is this. My point is this. He didn't go out like somebody else. He didn't try to pretend. He, he was who he was. And that's what we need to do. Well, I, that's really what this talk is all about. It's really not about social media. It's about learning to find an answer to the question of who am I and, and a, and a, f- a, a f- satisfaction of our desire to be significant. Can I make a statement here that you may disagree with? You probably will. It's just my opinion. It's not, says the Lord. But in your notes, I wrote it this way. See, I don't think people should use social media. I don't think people should use social media until they have an answer to their question. I really don't. I'm talking about Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anything, all that stuff. I don't think we should use it. Because if I don't have an answer to my question, I am vulnerable. And when I get on this thing, I'm gonna, if I don't have an answer to my question, I'm gonna to turn to people to try to find out who I am, and I might, I'm gonna be tempted to say things that are untrue or post things that are not true or exaggerate or create this second identity so that people will go, wow, look at this girl, look at this guy, look what they do, look how they do this, blah, blah, blah. You see all that? And that, that's just a huge trap in a life. But what if you had an answer to your question? What if you knew who you were? And what if you knew you were significant apart from what people thought about you? And then you got on social media what would happen? Here's what would happen. Let me, t- let me, let me share with you. Here, here's, here's how it would look. You would become a giver instead of a taker. When you got on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, you know what? You'd be, you'd, you'd be posting stuff and putting out there to be a blessing. You'd be posting or tweeting or, or writing from a place of strength, not a place of weakness. You wouldn't be a taker. You'd be a blesser. You see the difference? There's a huge difference there. Got to find an answer to our question first. And then I think we can use social media as something, as a tool, as an instrument to be a blessing to the people in our world today. So, how do we find an answer to our question? Two simple ways. Ready? Number one, you got to become like a child. You got to become like a child. That's such a weird teaching, but it's what Jesus said. He, he, he taught it. Look, look at Matthew chapter 18. I love it. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like what? Say it with me. Children. See, I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> Jesus said it, right? He said, unless you become my children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, in ancient times, children had no value. They brought nothing to the table. In fact, a father had every right to kill a child after birth that had eight days to decide whether or not the child lives or dies. And if he chose to, ch- to kill the child, uh, it was okay. It was socially acceptable because children had no value. W- women had no value, and that children were under the, va- under women, it just, they brought nothing to the table. So Jesus is basically teaching in one sense, you know, you know how you need to come to God? You need to come to God bankrupt. Because you, you can't come to God and say, man, I, I bring a lot to the table, I'm extraordinarily valued. You can't earn God's favor or grace, you have, to come, you have to come empty to God. So that's what he means in one sense, but in another sense he means that you have to come like a child because a child hasn't, they, they, they haven't learned to play the game yet of impression management. They haven't learned to care about the opinions of others. They haven't chosen an identity yet and then tried to portray that image to people to gain approval. They haven't done that yet. I, I, the other day, I was uh, I asked one of my children to, uh, to sweep the floor. And this particular child um, normally would cooperate, and, and, but this particular time, uh, this child just walked out of the kitchen, just right there. And my wife was standing there, and we were just like, wow, that's amazing you know? And, you know, we're pretty aggressive with teaching our children, like, here's what Jesus expects, and here's what Jesus wants, and all that stuff, and here's what it looks like to, to, to be Jesus, and to serve, and all that stuff, but this particular child didn't care about my opinion, nor my wife's, and I, and I saw it. I saw it. A child hasn't had time to think, really quick. Now, if I say no, my parents are going to think that I'm selfish, and I can't have that, so let me go ahead and say yes, even though I don't want to do it. You ever been there? See, as adults, we play that game. We know that game, but children, they don't care. They don't care. They're not into that game. It's like, I don't want to do it, so I'm walking out of the room. (laughs) It's just that simple. Listen, listen to what author Michael Lewis said. I love it. Watch this. Children enjoy one big advantage over adults. They haven't decided who they are. They haven't sunk a lot of psychological capital into a particular self. Listen to that again. They haven't sunk a lot of psychological capital into a particular self. They haven't decided I'm the athletic kid, so I better, I better act like the athletic kid. Or I'm the smart kid in class, so I better, I better study really hard to protect that image. Or I'm the, I'm the kid in school that does the bad stuff, so I better continue to do bad stuff so that everybody will continue to think that I'm the bad kid, right? They haven't figured that out yet Now they will And then they'll become an adult And then they'll be like us That's not such a good thing Right Impression management Jesus says you gotta quit all that In fact it's safe to say That spiritual growth Or growing spiritually Is this process of caring Less and less about what people think And more and more About what God thinks You see that We have to become like children Number two We have to come home to God We have to come home to God we have to come to Jesus to get an answer to the question and a satisfaction of the desire in our soul. See, when you open up the Bible, and, and I read it every day, and I, and I hope you do too, it's, 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 it's powerful. It's not just a book. It's the Word of God. And what I read consistently from cover to cover, I see this theme that God is enough, that God is sufficient. In fact, if I, were, if I could get any message to you as your pastor, I would say to you, please understand that God is enough for you. That in Christ, you can find an answer to the question of who you are, and are you significant in Christ alone? That would be what I would try to download for every single one of you to get. That, 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 solidifies your life, it grounds your life, it gives you a platform of strength to stand on. And it's all over the Bible. In Psalm 16, King David says this, preserve me of God because in you I take refuge. He says in verse two, you, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. Now this is spoken from the lips of King David who had palaces and gold and silver and everything a king could ever want. And he says to God, I have no good apart from you, What? Are you kidding me? David, you have everything. You know what he's saying? It's all worthless if I don't have God. God is all I need, and God is enough for me. He goes on to say in Psalm 16 that God is his portion and his strength. In Psalm 23, King David said this. Some of you have it memorized. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in need. I shall not walk this planet thinking, oh, I need to make more money, and I need to have more of this, and I need a new car, and I, and I know I'll go to church on the weekends, and I know I'm a Christian, I'll go to heaven when I die, but I also need this, and I also need to lose 20 pounds, and I also need to move up in the company, and I also need to have another child, and I also, no, 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 no. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because God is with me. His rod and his staff protect me. See, the idea in the, New, in the Old Testament and then carried into the New Testament with Jesus is that God is enough for me. He tells me who I am and he answers, he fulfills the desire of my soul to find significance. So when you look into the New Testament and you see Jesus talking about money and and, and possessions, which was a, a, a common theme for Jesus, he would talk about that stuff. By the way, why would he talk about money and possessions? Because even back in those days, that was the number one temptation for us to try to get a hold of those things to answer the questions of our soul right? Forget about social media for a second. The the idea is, if you have money, and you can buy whatever you want, then guess what? You are someone significant. Yes? Does our culture tell us that today? Yes or no? Come on! If 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 you have money, if you can buy whatever you want, if you have a certain type of body, a certain type of skin, a certain type of house, a certain type of car, then you must be someone significant, even today and back then it was the same it was the same concept. I'll give you so I'll give you one example that Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 he said this, "Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed, all kinds of covetousness." Why? Why should I guard my heart against wanting more stuff and more money because of this? Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. You will never find an answer to your question and you will never find the satisfaction that you're longing for for significance in stuff. Even though the culture is going to tell you that, that that's where life is found and that's how you become someone significant when you can have a lot of money and buy a lot of stuff and have a lot of power, it's not true. Life is not found in the abundance of your possessions. Where is it found then? Jesus would say, I am the living water. Whoever comes to me and puts his faith in me, his heart will be filled with living water, and it'll flow out, it'll bubble out from him. He would, he would go on to say in another passage about himself, he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever eats of me will never be hungry again. What is it, why, why would he teach things like this? It's, cra- it's almost crazy talk. What are you talking about? Jesus, said, you, Jesus basically is saying, I am the source of life. Feed upon me drink from my well and you'll find an answer to your question and you'll find satisfaction for your desire for significance one of my favorite quotes is from a guy named Augustine saint augustine old dead guy <laughs> he wrote a famous book called confessions and in in the book probably the famous most famous line in a big thick book is this line right here saint augustine said this he said god you've made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. My heart is restless until it finds rest in Christ. Let me tell you something. I don't know every one of you. I know very few of you personally. But here's what I know about your soul. Your heart is restless. It will be restless until it finds rest in Christ. He is the living water. He is the bread of life. And until you go to him to find an answer to the question and a satisfaction of the desire in your heart, you will be restless. You heard it right here, and it's not not me who's saying it. Jesus would say it to you right now if he were here. He would say, come to me, all of you who are heavy heavy laden and tired, and I will give you rest of soul. Come home to God. Become like a little child, and you'll find an answer to the question and satisfaction for the desire in your soul. Today's baptism weekend. We've already baptized Oh, man, a lot of people. We're about to do it again. It's gonna be very exciting. Some of you are here to see your family members get baptized. Baptism is this fantastic picture of a person who said, you know what? I've asked Christ to forgive my sins. My past is over. Looking forward in my life, I intend to obey the teachings of Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my master. That's what, that's what baptism is. That's who gets baptized, people who have said that. The new direction of my life is that Jesus is Lord and I'm gonna follow him. Not perfectly, because we're all gonna screw up. We're all gonna sin. Nobody's perfect, right? We're not talking about perfection, but i tell you what, when I screw it up, I'm gonna get back up because my, my intention is to follow him. That's what baptism is all about. It's also about a great picture of a person who's come home to God. And they've said, you know what? Life is found in Christ. And I put my faith in Christ, and here's what's happened. When I get baptized, I'm, my, my old life is being washed away, and I'm coming up forgiven and cleansed, and I'm a brand new person, and I have a new identity, and my new identity is that of a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. That's who I am. I'm a, I know my identity, and I know my significance. Can you, can you imagine what that means to be a son or, or daughter of God? What does
1: that mean?
0: When you think about the president right now, the president has two daughters, right? And guess what they get to do? They get to walk into the Oval Office, unqualified. I think think they're still in high school. And they get to go into the Oval Office, why? Why them and not you? I've never been in the Oval Office, have you? I wanna go. Why do they get to go? The only reason they get to go is because they are the child of the president, see? So when I say you're a child of Jesus, what does that mean? Forget about access to the Oval Office, that's ridiculous. You are a child of Jesus Christ, wow. That is where you find your significance and your value. And so that's what you're gonna see here in a few moments, people get baptized. Before we do that, I want you to hear the story of a girl who came home to Jesus. I heard her story about a month ago out in the lobby. Moved my heart, so I said, would you, would you consider baptism? Would you consider sharing your story? She said, absolutely, I'll pray about it. She came back to me the next week, she said, I'll do it. I want you to hear her story. It's, it's an unbelievable illustration of the power of coming home and finding an answer to the question and a, desi- a satisfaction of the desire. Her name is Alexis, check out her story.
1: I grew up in church. I went to church every Sunday. We went to Bible school two, three times a week. We had a church bus that would come pick us up, just us kids and take us to church and bring us back home. So it was a cool deal. My parents didn't go. They kind of shuttled us off for a break. Um, And we said grace before we ate. We said prayers before bedtime. We would sometimes talk about Jesus, but we didn't live it. There was lies, and sneaking, and cheating, and abuse, and, and chaos. So we had all the makings of being a Christian, but we weren't Christians. We were pretending. And that caused me to say to myself, if this is what being a Christian is about, I don't want any part of it. Because that wasn't what I thought it should be. And I went on my own journey to, I guess, find myself or or you know find whatever and all it did was make it worse one night uh, i had went to work and through the course of being at work you know you become friends with people you go out with them we went out this particular night and uh, I drank not any more than I normally did Um, maybe even less but it just affected me completely different it I guess it was supposed to happen that way I wound up wrecking my car and getting arrested I woke up or came to in jail on the floor and I remember the very first thing that I thought was, oh god, please don't let me hurt anybody. And I'm I have a home, I have a husband, I have children, I have a good job. I couldn't ask for anything else, you know, at the time and I just realized in that moment, what am I doing? I have so much more than most of these people in here. And I've just probably ruined it all. For what? For one night. One night of erasing the past. And that was all it was, one night, because it's still there. It's still there when you come to. The fact that I was led to church for community service, I was kind of standoffish. Uh, Pam opened the door, you know, and and opened her heart, and it changed my perspective on on just people in general. And she told me that I needed to listen to the Soul Keeping series. That you know it was a powerful message, and and if nothing else, just just listen to it. And I did. And at the end, Danny does a uh, call, basically do a prayer, asking the Lord into your heart. And I was already bawling, you know, in tears, struggling to just drive. And it, it literally full body shiver, I, I wanted to do it. And I wound up pulling over on the side of the road, the interstate at 1230 in the morning and the pouring down rain, turned the radio up so I could hear his prayer, got out on my knees, and, and prayed the prayer. And it was instantaneously amazing. And it was just from one extreme to the other in a matter of moments. One night, one choice, only this time it was a good one. And it changed everything. I want to get baptized because that's what God wants. That's the next step. Uh, Just like a, a man and a woman want to get married, you know, the next step in the relationship is to get baptized, to show my faith to Him, to wash away all the drama, all the chaos, all the rage, to wash it away, start over, This is a brand new beginning. This is what you want me to do, God. I'm showing you I'm gonna do what you want and not what I want because it's about what you want.
0: A few moments ago, you heard Alexis say that at 1230 at night, she was listening to a talk on her radio. She felt God say, pull over in the pouring down rain she got out of her car and she got on her knees and she asked Christ to be her Savior. That was her moment. Perhaps your moment is right now. You've been feeling God tug on your heart saying this is for you. This is for you. There's a reason you're here. He would say to you today, come home. Come home to me. Put your faith in me. Trust that I died on the cross for your sins. So you could be forgiven, so you could be cleansed. So you could be in a relationship with my Father, so that you could find life, true life. So that you can find an answer to your question, who am I? And satisfaction of your desire to find significance. If you would like to come home to God today as Alexis did, if you would like to put your faith in Christ, I'm gonna lead you in a very simple prayer. It's a prayer that I prayed when I was 17 years old in my backyard. It sounds like this, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Please come into my life and cleanse me, wash me, make me your child. I place my faith in you. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. It's a very simple prayer. It's not the words, it's not the words, it's the faith behind the prayer. So if this moment is designed for you and and only you would know that, I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes and bow your head Express your faith to God right now. Talk to Jesus right now. He's listening. Say these words. Dear Jesus, I'm coming home today. I trust you. I'm putting my faith in you. That you died on the cross for my sin. You paid the penalty that was held against me so I can be washed, so I can be cleansed. Forgive me. I embrace you. I put my faith in you. And from this day forward, with your grace, help me to follow you, to obey you, and to love you. And to bring a smile to your face with my life. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says, not me, the Bible says that you have become a child of God, a child of the King, a son or a daughter of God. Can we give God glory today for that? If you did that. If you did that, I want to invite you. We have a free gift for you. It's a one-year New Testament. You can pick it up in the There's tables back here to my left and to my right. You just go back there and say, hey, I prayed that prayer to receive Christ into my life. He's my Savior, and uh, I'd like to have a one-year New Testament. Please go back and do that. Here's why. Because we believe with all of our heart that the way God grows us in our faith primarily is through taking the word of God into our heart and into our mind. And so if you, if, even if you have a Bible, please go grab one of these because it's broken down into little five minute daily readings. I go through these passages myself each day and uh, it's, just, it's a way for you to grow your faith. And so let's give God glory one more time today for what he's done for the people that have had their lives changed. As you leave here today, as you leave here today and, 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 and you consider your Facebook and you consider your, your Twitter or your Instagram or whatever it is that you use, will you think? Think about the question, who am I? Am I significant? Think about that. And if you find that you're looking to these things here to find an answer to those questions, man, put it down. It's not worth it. Put it down and go to Christ and go to God. Become that like that child and come home to him, because that's where you're going to find the true answer to your question and your desire. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who put their faith in you today. Give them the courage to go back and grab a Bible and begin reading. Thank you for those who were baptized today. Thank you for doing in Alexis' life what no one else can do. You opened her heart, you opened her mind to understand that she needed Jesus. Now she has him. And so many others do as well. Thank you for the way you're moving in our church, for the the way you're drawing people to yourself. We love you, and may you receive all the honor and all the glory. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, next week we're gonna be talking about the relationship between parenting children who are social media savvy, okay, and what that looks like. So we're gonna try to give out some, some help there. Bring a friend next week. God bless you. We'll see you next week.